This is the Emergency Medical Minute, sponsored by Health One. Hi, friends. So we're going to do a medical minute on uh, the topic of the day of the year, probably of the next few years, which will be COVID-19. And uh, I read this very interesting article posted on MCRIT.org, and that's done by Scott Weingart and uh, has a lot of just amazing stuff on it. Uh, But I wanted to talk about uh, the labs that you get with COVID and uh, some of their sensitivity, specificity, et cetera. Uh, So first of all, how do we test for COVID? Uh, It's done by a nasopharyngeal swab. So this Q-tip gets basically stuck to the back of your nose. And when you hear people talk about this in the general press, they, they talk like, oh, my gosh, it's a it's an ice pick that people stick back there. It's really painful, et cetera. And, uh, and part of the reason why it's so painful is because if you don't go deep enough with the nasal swab, you don't get a good enough sample. And you actually have a lot of false negatives if you're just really light and gentle with it. So for all my nurses... Uh, who do these and respiratory therapists, make sure that you get a good, deep nasopharyngeal swab in order to get an accurate test. So even if you take a good, deep nasopharyngeal swab, what is the sensitivity of it? And the sensitivity actually is not great. Um, They've done a few studies looking at it, and you get sensitivities between 66 and 80%. Uh, and I think the largest study has a sensitivity of around 70% uh, in terms of uh, when you compare uh, PCR tests to the CT scan that looks just like COVID and is more diagnostic. Um, something that kind of adds to this is if you actually take a patient who has a negative PCR, but you really suspect them to have COVID and you retest them with PCR, it's around 23% of those patients who will come back as positive during that second test. And that's why for a lot of hospital protocols, et cetera, they'll talk about needing two tests for highly suspicious patients before you declare that they they're, have some other disease other than coronavirus-related uh, related disease. Um, so, of course, that's the big, the big test that we all use is that COVID test to diagnose whether, whether patients have COVID or don't have COVID. Um, but there's some other really interesting findings that you see with, with COVID that can increase your clinical suspicion for it. Um, so let's just kind of go down the list. Um, one, when you get a CBC, your white counts tend to be normal. So you don't get this big leukocytosis. But there's two findings that you'll sometimes see. The first is lymphopenia. So COVID seems to affect lymphocytes and make it so that you don't have as many. The second is at times you'll get thrombocytopenia. And with that thrombocytopenia, if you're thrombocytopenic, those patients usually do worse, meaning that they need more um, you know, mechanical ventilation or more oxygen. So that's a poor prognostic indicator. The other thing for coagulation studies is that you see that a lot of these patients have super high D-dimers. And there's a debate within the medical uh, community about whether there's uh, a relationship between um, COVID and your hematologic system, meaning that COVID um, affects um, affects uh, your your clotting and makes it so you're th- pro-thrombotic. And what we see with COVID infections uh, is increased stroke after people have COVID, even young people, increased heart attack, 
And you see a lot of similar things in flu as well, by the way. So both COVID and influenza tend to create this pro-inflammatory and hence pro-coagulable state where patients have complications related to the infection even after their infection is resolved. Um, so let's talk about, uh, and, and I think when it comes to D-dimer is, you know, if someone has a really elevated D-dimer level and you're like, they seem like they have COVID, I don't know if I'd go and take that second step of obtaining a CT scan to rule out something like pulmonary embolism unless your clinical suspicion is super, super high. Um, so going down the list, C-reactive protein uh, and procalcitonin are two other common inflammatory markers uh, that we send off to kind of differentiate for CRP how sick people are and for procalcitonin, whether they have a viral infection versus a bacterial infection. Uh, for CRP, here's the interesting thing, is with COVID, CRP gets elevated. And the more elevated it is, the worse patients do. So again, it's another marker, um, just like, for example, a high lactate. All patients with really high lactates and sepsis usually do worse. Patients with really high CRPs tend to do worse. Um, procalcitonin was, was interesting. Um, so procalcitonin is still somewhat useful in differentiating between viral, viral infections and bacterial infections. Um, sometimes patients have co-infections with both COVID and bacterial infections. And for those, if you have a procalcitonin, which is above 10 nanograms per milliliter, it really suggests that you have two infections going on and those patients should be double covered or should be covered for bacterial infections as well as uh, receiving aggressive supportive care for COVID. If the person has a procalcitonin less than 0.5 nanograms per milliliter, I think you'll find a lot of variability about whether patients are treated with antibiotics. I think the sicker the patient is, if they're vented and in the ICU, they'll probably get antibiotics no matter what. Whereas if, for example, this patient is being admitted just because they need some supplemental oxygen, um, a lot of times I would not give those patients antibiotics off the bat uh, to cover for bacterial infection. Um, there's a big question. We're coming out of flu season, but there was always a question about, you know, whether you can rule out COVID if someone is influenza positive or has RSV or a lot of other diseases. And um, while there's been a lot of conflicting evidence, the best one says that there's around a five to 10% co-infection rate in the middle of flu season between COVID and influenza. And of course, those patients, uh, I believe, tend to do a little worse because those are two pretty significant viruses that their body's, uh, the body's competing against. Um, in our next medical minute, we'll cover uh, some of the imaging findings that you get with COVID, uh, but that's a lot of information just about labs. And again, thank you to MCRIT, who did a great job with summarizing this. We are on a quest to provide the world with free medical education. Please help us out by rating us on iTunes, following us on social media, and subscribing to our newsletter at emergencymedicalminute.com.